Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. Amazing. Grant is a very powerful man, <laughs> both, both sporty and in the Lord. <laughs> and um, yeah, excited to hear what you have to say this morning, Grant. Bless you. Thank you. That's very kind. Hopefully more spiritually than sporty. <coughs> Definitely at this age. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. It's how Jesus said we should pray. Live as citizens of heaven. It's how Paul said we should function. Preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. It's what we should do according to Jesus' great instruction. So this morning we're going to take a little look at being kingdom kids and elements of that so that we might leave here and help bring his kingdom from heaven onto our earth and into other people's bits of earth. Lord, would you help us? Would you show us? Holy Spirit, would you be speaking? Would you be downloading? Would you be filling? So that you can be sending us to go and be partakers of this great news, this great kingdom into our world and the world that so needs it, which is why you came. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you about three people who perhaps had a different experience of the kingdom in heaven. Three friends die and go to heaven. When they reach the pearly gates, St. Peter greets them, giving them the usual spiel that everyone gets when they're about to enter. And as they're walking in, he says, oh, by the way, I almost forgot the new rule. Whatever you do, don't step on a duck. The three friends think this is an odd rule, but they agree to it and they step in. The second they enter, they realize that the final rule might be harder to follow than they first thought. Heaven is teeming with ducks. Try as they might, they quickly realize that avoiding the birds is going to be a tough task. And then it happens, quack. Sarah and Sam look over in shock as Simon steps on a duck. Quickly, an angel rushes over with one of the most unattractive people the three of them have ever seen. Because you stepped on a duck, you're commended to spend the rest of your time in the kingdom shackled to this person. Harsh. Have a good eternity, the angel shackles the two of them together and flies off. After seeing what happened to Simon, the other two are warier of the consequences and begin treading extremely lightly. The two of them make it another three days before on the dawn of the fourth day, a loud quack is heard. Sarah looks to Sam, wide-eyed, fearing the worst. The angel rushes over, ties Sarah to a hideous being and flies away. 
Sam, now petrified that this will be his fate, becomes incredibly paranoid, barely walking anywhere. He lasts one week, two weeks, but on the beginning of the third week, an angel brings one of the most stunningly beautiful people Sam has ever seen in his life. Shackles the two of them together and flies off. Bewildered and excited, Sam proclaims, wow, what did I do to deserve this? And the person Sam is shackled to turns and replies, oh, I don't know what you did, but I stepped on a duck. Apologies if your name is Sam. <laughs> Interestingly, when we talk about the kingdom, on earth there are 43 sovereign states with monarchies around the world. 16 of those consider our King Charles III as their king. But there's a different kingdom, the kingdom of God, which we are children of if you follow Jesus here today. It's that spiritual realm where God, who is king, seeks the fulfillment of his will on earth. It's invisible because God is invisible. And when the will of God is fully respected on earth, as in heaven, the kingdom invades the earth, as in heaven. However, because it's subject to his will and his word and his ways and his power instantly, when there's resistance to it, it doesn't quite flow as it needs to. So we're going to look at God's desire of kingdom on earth in your life, my life, and on earth, and how we can be partakers and deliverers of that. In Luke 17, verses 20 to 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. It's within you. Interestingly, in your body and mine, there are 206 bones. We've got 78 organs. Five of those are vital. Heart, brain, a couple of kidneys, unless you're me, I've only got one. Liver and lungs. Yet nothing inside of you, as vital as those are, compared to the awesomeness of the kingdom of God that resides inside of us. So I want us today to understand and consider that we are kingdom carriers. For those that know Jesus, if you're sat here and you've made that decision to let him in, you've let in the kingdom of God. And as well as you fully walking in that, he desires for you to fully flow in that so that others may walk in that. You know, during those tough times of corona, um, the coronavirus, many people, until they displayed symptoms, were carrying that sickness without even knowing it. 
and it was just passing like wildfire. Do we carry the kingdom power unaware, like some people were carrying that and incubating it? I think we do. Or else maybe it would display a little bit. So I want to encourage us today to tap into what the Holy Spirit might be saying and showing us so that that which is in you and that which is in me would actually contagiously impact a world that so needs it. You can carry a contagious condition like maybe some of us did back in 2020, 2021 without knowing it and pass it on. But with the kingdom, you know when it's been passed on because change comes. Isn't it interesting in the world, they talk about the power of three. Have you ever heard that? Sometimes you see it on TV adverts. You often, if you go to presentations, you'll hear it. In cells, the rule of three has three special significances. It contains the key to winning three ways. They say professionally, financially, and psychologically. In presenting the rule of three, um, is a writing and speaking principle suggested that a trio of events or characters that are illustrated bring more humorous, satisfying, and effect than other numbers. That's why I told you about Sam, Simon, and Sarah. Biblically, I wonder where they got that idea from, because biblically, we've got Father, Son, Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock. In 2 Timothy 1, it says, instead of a spirit of fear, God gives us love, power, and a sound mind. In, G in Revelation 3, Jesus, in talking about our fervor for him, our follow, is either hot, cold, or lukewarm. In 1 Corinthians 13, that amazing chapter on love, it says that the key three, faith, hope and love, love being the greatest of these. We read um, throughout scripture three key people groups of <coughs> Jews, Gentiles and then Christians. Jesus said to us, heal the sick which included cleansing the lepers, raising the dead and casting out demons in Matthew 10. And then of course the great commission to go and make disciples to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and then teach them to obey. Three key commands of the Great Commission. So according to Paul, when we look at the kingdom, he says this in Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, <clears throat> but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Three essential qualities as kingdom carriers. Righteousness, well what is that? What is the quality of being right in God's eyes? 
It's our character, our nature, our conscience, which is like our attitude, our conduct, and our word. I don't know about you, but that's a battle, isn't it, sometimes? In Romans, it says that all have fallen short of the glory of God, which is why Jesus came. Thankfully, it tells us in 1 Corinthians that we are made righteous in Christ's righteousness. So my works, my efforts cannot please God. It doesn't do justice, which is why Jesus came. So Grant's righteousness sucks, but the righteousness of Christ now clothes me when I invite him in. So I stand pure before God in the righteousness of Christ. And when we think about kingdom carriers and how we want to take that away, friends, the world desperately needs that. It always has, which is why Jesus came. Which is why Jesus' message of repentance to become righteous in him was the same and still is. Without being judgmental, the world's a rough place. We're in it, but we're not of it. We can be influenced by it or we can influence it. We can be subject to powers and authorities, principalities of the air that are governing it. Or we can be kingdom carriers that influence it and see him change it. Just to name a few. Here in the UK in 2023, there were six 0.7 million recorded crime offences, which was up 11% on pre-pandemic times. 87,000 cases per quarter have recorded cybercrime and fraud, costing £593 million a quarter. 40% um, 40 of unmarried relationships and 25% of marriages see at least one incident of cheating in the general social survey. 20% are men, 13% of women reported to sleeping with somebody else whilst they were married. This stuff happens. And I'm no one to stand here and preach against that because here stands chief of sinners until Jesus came. But Jesus came, and he came for you, me, and everybody that's suffering in a tough and rough world. I remember one time um, on mission in Kenya, and uh, I was with a crazy guy um, moving in signs and wonders led by the Holy Spirit. And we were doing sports ministry outreach during the day, some sports ministry training for churches in the afternoon. And then he said, we're going to do a crusade at night. Um, which is like Kenyans love to do, and I love to do as well. And first night it poured with rain. It was crazy, man. There were people there with such desire, with umbrellas, hearing the great news of the gospel and being prayed for. Second night it was a little better, and um, the Lord did some amazing miracles. He opened the ears of a deaf and dumb girl who could speak, and um, everybody went wild. 
But interestingly, this other guy came up when we said, if anybody knows they've had a touch of God, come up. We'd love to hear your story and praise God with you. And um, this chap came up and he dumped on this little lectern similar to this. He just threw on there, I think it was four packets of cigarettes and a box of matches. And he said, I'm done with this. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I was walking on the outside of the field where you were in. And he said, I just came along at the time that you guys were saying that Jesus is here to set you free tonight from anything that's holding you and he is able to heal. Would you give him a chance tonight? And he stopped in his tracks and he said, I've been angry with God for years because somebody in his family died and he blamed God. So he turned his back he got into drugs and he was addicted to nicotine and which is why he had all these cigarettes on him and he stopped and because we said put your hand on the part that really hurts and we're going to trust the power of God to set you free in the middle of the road the other side of the hedge of the field we were in he stopped and he said Lord I'm going to give you one more chance and he had TB and he was in real pain and struggling, was really wheezy. And he put his hand on his chest and he said he felt what felt like fire go through him. And he could say instantly that he was healed. He just sensed it because the pain had gone and he could breathe properly for the first time. He came running into the field and he threw his cigarettes uh, at us. And he said, I will never smoke one of those again. I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And so something he was really battling with, the power of God set him free because Jesus can. Amen? Righteousness. So a kingdom carrier walks in righteousness. Peace in the soul from a sense of God's mercy, regulating, ruling, and harmonizing the heart. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9.6. Data from something called the Champion Health, which surveyed 4,170 people in the UK. 60% of adults experience from mild to severe anxiety. 76% moderate to high levels of stress. And it's similar in the workplace with only 10% of them getting or reaching out for help. Paul said in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a difference. What an antidote for a world so struggling with stress, anxiety. A peace that surpasses understanding. Maybe, just maybe, some of you here, it's crazy at the moment, isn't it? How do you see the wood through the trees, financially, relationally, health-wise, 
career-wise. Maybe it's messy. Maybe it looks impossible. Maybe, probably, the enemy's having a go to keep you bound there. But despite what is natural, he promises that peace that surpasses understanding, which is only in Christ, meaning that you can be anxious for nothing if you push in. Can you imagine if we were really, really, really able to step into that space as kingdom kids and as kingdom carriers, effectively, lovingly share this message with our friends and with the world who literally are dying to hear it. Last week, um, we did week two of some children's sports camps. I have the privilege of helping lead a sports ministry, which is locally based, and we go to different places around the world as well and serve, and um, it's just a great platform to build the kingdom, to bring Jesus into the lives of people who won't just walk in to a place like this. And last week, uh, on one of the days in my group, I had a bunch of cricketers who were passionate about it. We were teaching them on the upper room experience of the apostles in Acts chapter 2. Um, and our theme for the day was being positioned. And we talked about how those apostles positioned themselves because Jesus said, go. Some left, got bored, impatient. Those that stayed caught something that changed their lives. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Sharing that with the kids, I looked at them and I said, right, okay, um, we're about to play a game of cricket. We've done most of our talk. Um, how are you going to position yourself? You can go and warm up ready for the game, but God wants to touch and change some lives here today, he's told me. Let's look at this as an upper room. If you want to touch from God or if you want to know Jesus for the first time, stay, everybody else, clear off, we love you, go and hit some balls, see you in a minute. So I had a decision to make and quite a few of them who either had found Jesus by now or didn't want a touch of God, got up and they walked off and they got ready for the game that we were going to play. Nine children stayed put, including some kids who I thought, I really thought you would walk that way. But the Lord was doing something amazing. We prayed and some came to Jesus beautifully and others, we just said, that thing that you're struggling with, I believe the Lord's going to set you free now. He wants to do something. And we just had three or four minutes of just waiting on the Lord. And I couldn't help but open one eye from time to time just to see what God was doing. And this one girl afterwards, I said, is anybody willing to tell me, did anybody hear anything, see anything, feel anything? No God did anything. And this one girl stuck her hand up. A bunch of them did, but she stuck her hand up. And she said, I now feel light. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, it's gone. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I was really worried, really, really worried, really stressed about this one thing. And I asked 
the Holy Spirit who you said we could pray to, to burn it away. And I felt it going in and during our time, I felt it go and leave. I know he's healed me and set me free. And this was last week, sat on an artificial pitch up at St. Gregory's School in Bath. So praise God. Friends, this is what he wants to do. Whether it's children, whether it's adults, whether it's your friends, whether it's my friends, whether it's strangers that my wife is an expert at connecting with, and she just has this motto that um, she connects with people, um, and they are friends that eventually become family. As we build friendship and we do life, and as kingdom carriers, we just look to lovingly gel with them together and see something of the Holy Spirit transfer over to them with proclamation to follow, some of those friends eventually become spiritual family. And this is what he wants to do. What about joy then? Woo! Well, we know that it says the joy of the Lord is our strength in Nehemiah 8.10. So this is choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. 50, in that same survey, 56% of all of those adults that were profiled experienced at least mild symptoms of depression. Now, life can be difficult. In fact, it can suck, can't it? And we all have moments of unhappiness. We really do. But happiness is this surface-level, temporary feeling linked to circumstance. I hung out with some great friends last night. Made me happy. Sometimes I have to mix with people that I find less easy to love. Makes me less happy. But does it affect my joy? No, because my joy is deeper and founded in the person and the promise of Jesus Christ because I'm a kingdom carrier. The world tries so many different things. I did as well to just stuff full in our life to bring that temporary happiness. But it's temporary. It goes, doesn't last. It's definitely not eternal. But a lasting, real emotion, regardless of circumstances, is what your joy is. And it's found in Christ. And it's a trait of the kingdom. This might or might not surprise some of you, but in my BC days, the cricket team who loved to come up with nicknames, I think at one point I had 27. Some of them I can't share with you. <coughs> Actually, we've got quite a lot of young people here. Um, this will probably go over your head as well. But is anybody familiar with the name Victor Meldrew? Very good. Now listen, if you are young and you've never heard of Victor Meldrew, do yourself a favor, 
go on to the BBC iPlayer and look for One Foot in the Grave, which is a really funny sitcom, old school, but Victor Meldrew is the central character, and he's a miserable old what's-it. And because of my demeanour, my personality, sometimes I played on this a little bit, because I thought it was kind of just being cool and aggressive and competitive as a player, I got the nickname of Victor Meldrew. I did. My team thought I was flipping miserable. They also called me Les. Any ideas why? Les Miserables. So I was trying to run in and bowl for my cricket team to the shouts of, come on Victor, or come on Les. My mum, when she came to watch me one time, didn't have a clue who they were talking about. But then came Jesus. And that deep-rooted, miserable, dour, struggling to see anything other than half empty, just goes. Because his perspective comes. His life comes. His light comes. And of course, if you ask Estine, often she'll say, yes, yeah, sometimes he still needs a kick in the pants. Don't we all, men? But God is so good, I don't know what gutter I would be in now. And I would probably still have those nicknames or worse if it wasn't for the goodness of Jesus. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Do you remember that song? Is it Ron Cannoli? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Anyway, you didn't come here and pay today to hear me sing. In the Holy Ghost is the key to that passage. Righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom of God, but in the Holy Ghost. You and I cannot, cannot shape a form of righteousness that cuts it, that's genuine, pleasing to God, radiant to people in our own strength. Oh, it's got to be infused by Jesus through the person of the Holy Ghost. Peace. Can we honestly expect to operate in that perfect peace without the person of the Holy Spirit at the center? And joy. Sometimes we see crazy things in worship or at the back of it or you might be at home and the Holy Spirit comes upon you or just prompts you and it's him and joy just exudes out of you. Isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit is so important in scripture and yet many people know nothing about him including quite a bit of the body of Christ we can so easily limit his working in and through our life. The unforgivable sin is to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, which is really the sin of attributing to the enemy the work of the Spirit of God, which some did in Scripture. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians 4. 
which is really self-destruction linked to our choice to live unrighteously. And we can quench the Holy Spirit, restrict the work of the Holy Ghost. John Piper, who some of you may know of, once said that quenching the Spirit means shutting down your emotions when joyful spiritual expressions are called for. So we could treat the Holy Spirit, who really wants to take residence and move like that, or we could do what we're encouraged to do, which is to be kingdom carriers that worship. Oh, all of these could have such breakdown in teaching, couldn't they? But Jesus said in John 4, 24, that those who worship should worship in spirit and in truth. When full of the Holy Ghost and led by the Holy Ghost and asking him to lead us every day, like in Romans 12 where it says, live your lives as living sacrifices. Every day becomes worship, whatever you do. It's worship to God because he is worthy and I choose to worship him led by the Spirit regardless of my circumstances, regardless of where I am and not only through sung worship in church on a Sunday or when you put Spotify on on a Tuesday afternoon. They worshipped him. <coughs> they worshipped him whilst building the war with Nehemiah, and they got an impossible job done in fifty-two days, I think it was, when it should have taken forever. Paul and Silas, locked up in prison, chose to worship and praise, led by the Spirit, and then the Spirit busted them out of there. We need to be worshipful by the Spirit. Our walk is just as important, which links to that righteousness. Romans 8:14. Those that are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. That same Spirit that distributes gifts of power for kingdom service also works in us to bring kingdom qualities of life, love, and a holy character. In Matthew 5, Sermon of the Mount, there are nine character traits that Jesus teaches on about our walk in him and for him and before other people. And lastly, our work, which needs to include our witness. In Acts 1.8, they were told, now go to Jerusalem, tarry there. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your neighborhood, Judea, maybe Bath, Samaria, maybe the UK, and the ends of the earth, maybe the ends of the earth. Ever tried to witness without being spirit-led. It's a tough gig, isn't it? Now, persecution may come even if you're spirit-led. But if he comes upon us and we say, Lord, I get up today. You've got an adventure. I know I've got my nine to five, perhaps. I know I've got three kids to feed and pick up from school. I've got all of this. But do you want to do something today? 
Do you want to come upon me? Do you want to show me something? Do you want me to encourage somebody? Do you want me to witness to them? Holy Spirit, would you come upon me and let me know at the time and then you speak to me and you speak through me because you might just want to sow a seed in a life or even change a life dramatically today. Oh, if we're spirit-led, he will take up your invitation to come upon you to witness whenever you ask. Let's finish looking at the disciples. Do you know this fascinates me? I love reading about what Jesus did with the disciples. 24-7 for three years with a bunch of ordinary guys like you and me. I know you're not ordinary. I am. Look at those three years of 24-7 versus the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. They worshipped him as they were getting to know him. Sure, there was confusion proven by some of the decisions they made and responses they had. They walked with him and alongside him for that period of time, but a whole new level awaited them. Different world, different stratosphere. Think about that. 24-7, three years with the Messiah. It says if everything he did or said was to be captured, there wouldn't be enough books in the whole world to record it. That's productive. That's our God. And they experienced almost all of that. And yet, some of them still appeared as donuts until Pentecost. Donuts. Is that making you hungry? Jesus said to them in John 14, you will do greater things than me. That's a big call, isn't it? Based on what we've just said, the scripture says about all that he did. Insane. Now let's skip to John 16 and read this. This is from verse five. But now I am going, this is him to his team, to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he has made known to you. They're hanging on Jesus' coattails. The three years have changed their lives or is changing their lives. And now he's saying, I'm out of here soon. 
and it's to your benefit because coming is the helper. I think they probably thought Jesus was a pretty good helper himself. After all, he's the Messiah, right? But he said, no, 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 no. Coming is the one that will take this to the next level. You and the whole world. So he died, rose again, ascended back to the Father, having spent 40 days with them. And then we go back to Acts 1 where he says, go to Jerusalem. And then they go. And at Acts 2, boom! Those that stayed and waited, so full of the Holy Spirit. A secondary experience to finding Christ. Jesus, the way to the Father, two legs of the stool for our life. Full of the Holy Spirit, the third leg, so that we are balanced and strong to be positioned on. So why settle for just two? Then the game changed. He said, you'll do greater things than me. I believe there were 37 miracles of Jesus recorded. In the book of Acts alone, we read of 29 miracles or signs and wonders happening in Acts alone. Jesus was right. This was starting to happen. And then they changed the world. Oh, a lot of things have gone wrong since, but there are now around about three billion believers on the planet because these guys went to a room, waited on the promise of Jesus, got full of the Holy Spirit. They became changed, and then the world around them became changed. Wherever they went, shadows healed people. Wherever they went, the sick got healed. Wherever they went, the dead got raised. Wherever they went, the captives got set free. They spoke life. They made disciples. They grew the church of Jesus Christ. And it continues to this day. And because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that promise he made to them, he still makes to us as his children, as his followers. But I wonder, I really wonder, do we see ourselves as kingdom carriers operating in righteousness, peace, and joy, which the world needs, which you have, and in the Holy Ghost, you can administer to a world that desperately needs it. So what an opportunity we have. Do we know what we're really carrying? Oh, but Grant, you know, there's a few of you that may have a specific calling a bit like you and, and you know, I just don't see myself like that. Well, that's just not true. We are very different. You're right about that. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Would we position ourselves a bit like I said to the kids this week in an upper room environment where we freely abandon to him and say, I want all of you and more of you. Jen mentioned last week, I've still been riding that wave of that message, I don't know about you, last week. But that kind of God speed or that warp speed that she talked about, that there is a new speed coming from the children of God, full of breakthrough and influence. And what a 
an amazing thing to see people just prayed for in that regard. He's not stopped with that. And I want to give an opportunity this morning as we finish. I want you to think really carefully. You are a kingdom carrier, my friend. And this world needs what you carry. Which is the person of Jesus to connect them to the Father's love. Led by the person and in the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I know that, Grant. Well, do we? Have you really yielded to the person of the Holy Spirit? In Acts 19, they came across other believers and they said, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said, no, we'd only received John's baptism of repentance. And they laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit with that evidence of speaking in that new heavenly language. A new level for him, which is part of our purpose on earth. Amongst a perishing world that God so loves, that we should so love likewise. You have and I have everything. Everything that we need. The medicine to dispel to a world so struggling with wrongdoing, which disconnects them from God. With anxiety, which means they have no peace. With profound sadness, which means they have no joy. Come to Jesus, all of that changes. Do we care enough to share? Would we position ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, I came to Jesus for salvation. Now I come to you for a fresh touch, for service. Boom. Think about those disciples. Could we be a bit like them? Hanging out with Jesus, which is beautiful. 24-7, fantastic. But there's something more that he's got for us and that he's got for the world through us. So I'd love to pray for you. Be praying for myself at the same time. Maybe two things. Some of you are sat here and thinking, well, this Jesus guy sounds amazing. I've only ever known about him, but I don't know him. Oh, you're just an invitation away from knowing him. The Bible says he stands at the door of our heart and knocks. As a gentleman, he says, would you let me in? The handle to that door is on the inside. He's not going to kick it down. You've got to open it. And if you've never done that, or maybe you have, but you've just lived away from him and you just think, I'm here this morning to hear this and come back to him, it would be a joy and an honor to pray for you so that you can begin the greatest adventure ever 
with the greatest ever. Or maybe, as a believer, you're a little discontent. You're a kingdom carrier, but you're not sure. You didn't realize exactly what you're carrying. And you want to live in that. You want to move in that. You want to have your being in that. And you want to influence this hurting world. Your neighbors and the neighbors of people you don't even know. I think he wants to do that this morning. Well, this Holy Spirit infilling Grant, what have I got to do? Well, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, why wouldn't today be your day? This is what he's saying to us. You could be like the apostles. I've hung out with Jesus, I love him. But this could be a whole new level from today. Boom. Oh, I would encourage you to desire that if you haven't got that. Nothing will be the same again. And our world will be changed quicker because he asks you and I to go. And the beauty of it is we can't in our own strength. But we don't need to because he fills us to overflowing. So Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Don't move, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. What's he saying to you? How is he prompting you to respond? I'm going to invite you to stand if you can. Join me in standing before our King. We're going to welcome the Holy Spirit as we worship. And I think he's got some business to do. So we're going to have our prayer team up the front and you can request prayer for anything specific. What a joy to pray for you. But some of us are going to be here to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come like never before upon you to fill you to overflowing. Those who need Jesus for the first time, run down. His arms are open in love. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, would you speak to people? Would you prompt their hearts to respond as you want to? 
Would you birth dreams and visions? Would you tug people with that call that you fashioned for their lives? Would you help us realize there is something more in you? There is something more for you? There is something more with you? Because you so love this world and you choose to partner with your children to get your work done. And you say, go. And you promise to never leave us or forsake us and be with us to the very end of age. We are not alone. Thank you, Lord, that it's not in our strength, but it's by your spirit. So come rushing forward, guys, those who want a touch of God, those who want filling with the Holy Spirit once again, afresh to overflowing. Maybe you've gone a little dead. Maybe it's a little dry. Maybe that thing that he's told you to do, you've just slightly buried, and it's time to resurrect. Maybe it's just a refreshing to go forth or a hunger to hear for the first time. The Holy Spirit changes everything. Would you let him change your everything today? Come forth if you would love prayer. We'll be here to pray with you.